Arthur Grant. Michael? Hi, right, well, good evening, everyone. Uh, for those who have not met me in person, my name is Michael Salvador. I'm with American Structure Point, and American Structure Point is one of the designated procured planners by the state of Ohio to assist communities in preparing for competitive applications for round two development grants under the Appalachian Community Development Grant Program uh, later this year. So this is a very complicated and convoluted program. <laughs> and uh, we've been at it for about six months now with a couple of months to go in the procured planner phase. And we have, as a collective, and I'll kind of, I can provide, and thank you for last month when I was on the Zoom and I know it was a little bit awkward because I was traveling to the airport, so I'm glad I was here. Well, here thank you, appreciate you being able to do that. Um, you know, I can repeat some of last time in case folks missed, but to provide sort of a general overview of the program, and there's a few questions I have for you all tonight uh, so we can begin discussion. But the key things to know about Appalachian Community Grant is that the state would like to fund transformational projects, which is in the definition of the community, that will help a community um, literally be transformed, whatever that definition is means to you guys and that is sort of vague on purpose the state has left it so that it can be defined by communities and you have the ability to tell the state um, what that definition means to you now in addition the project has to be ARPA eligible so there are restrictions on uses of some of the funds so I mentioned last month that building owners who seek funds are going to need to be able to justify their ask for funds for a private building. It's a little bit of a different threshold, if you will, to be able to uh, get things versus a public improvement. So in the universe of possible projects that are out there, there are many choices that communities can make. And from what we've seen, both myself as one of the 19 procured planners, as well as talking to all my other colleagues uh, with the MPP and neighborhood strategies, they're in a little bit of a different boat, but they see the region in a similar way. Um, we've noticed some trends about the types of projects that are very clearly going to move forward. Uh, and last month we talked about a streetscape and park improvements, which we should classify as public improvements for the village, and we'd like to spend some time exploring that tonight. Um, but there's also private improvements where a business owner can potentially, through the blessing of everyone in this room, <laughs> uh, receive funds for upgrades to their buildings if there is a clear transformative impact on the community of that happening. So that's kind of the set the stage. There's This is what the program is. There's public improvements that can be made. Private improvements can be made. And um, that's kind of what the state is looking for in terms of projects to come out of communities. Now in terms of the bigger picture, there's $450 million that is available to communities, give or take a couple million. Um, that money is gonna be made available at the end of this year. And what the state would like is for communities to partner with one another under a lead applicant, which would be a community or an entity large enough to be able to administer um, the complexities of a federal ARPA grant. Um, a collection of projects that the state would then fund at that project level. So it's not the case that Crooksville's project or projects has to stand on their own. Those projects will be judged and awarded based off of the strength of the collective application. The lead applicant discussion, the number of applications that there will be, 
the communities that the number of communities and the number of projects that will be included in each application has been an ongoing conversation for several months and there's been no final determinations final final that are made but the collective and we can define the collective as the state the four executive directors of the local development districts that cover the 32 counties which is Eastgate the three counties in Northeast Ohio Omega the 11 counties in East Ohio just north of here Buckeye Hills the eight counties which Perry County is a part of and OVRDC in the southwest uh, those four executive directors and the 19 procured planners between the procured planners the executive directors and the state the group is assessing the universe of projects that is out there and coming to consensus on which uh, who the lead applicants are and where the projects will go so fresh news feel pretty good about where that's at over the last couple of weeks that's been taking up most of our time um, is that sort of larger groupings and I think everyone is getting comfortable with the direction that that is going more likely than not I'm not going to, I can't go into any further details right now, but more likely than not, most projects in the Buckeye Hills region will end up being submitted together under one of the lead applicants. Um, there, there are not going to be very many applications. Um, the number of potential applications has been whittling down over the last month or so, and this is good news for communities, in the opinion of the collective, because it's going to make it a little bit easier for projects to get funded. So all that has to be done at this stage is to, is to come to consensus on what Crooksville's projects are and what you would like to see. Last month, we had a good conversation about the amount of funding that might be available in Perry County at a high level and where Crooksville could fit in. There's nothing that has happened since, that's, that, that's, since that meeting that has changed anything about that. So we're still looking at one and a half, two and a half million range somewhere in there for potential universal projects for Crooksville. Uh, last month we indicated that there was support for a streetscape type improvement that would uh, visibly improve the public infrastructure assets in downtown as well as a couple streets we talked about a few options including industrial drive right out here Buckeye Street uh, China Street heading north to the park State Street going south out of town um, so, uh, so there's that piece we also talked about the potential to maybe do something around the river in the downtown area. There are a couple of parcels that the village owns. Since that meeting, Lacey's got us some information on what those parcels are, so I have a little bit better idea what that could be. Um, we're not dealing with a lot of space there, so that's gonna be a consideration. Maybe there's some property acquisition we'll get into. Um, so I think, at least conceptually, as far as, in my view, and again, we can talk about this and certainly correct me, but as your procured planner, I feel okay <laughs> given everything that's going on about where we're at <laughs> in terms of both the big picture and the small picture i think we have some direction on both fronts about what this is going to look like for crooksville so now is the time to come to consensus and confirm that we're all feeling on the same page and this is the right direction that we're going um, and to then get into the details of these concepts now, i will mention one other thing um, Way back at the beginning, when Buckeye Hills solicited requests from communities for the projects that were out there, there were two dominant projects that came out of Crooksville. One is this downtown revitalization concept. The other are fixes for the Perry County Library. Um, and 
the possibility of renovating that building. We did not talk about that that much last month, and so I apologize for that being addressed. Since last month, I have been able to consult with um, Buckeye Hills, and we do feel that that project has the potential to move forward. Um, now we're going to need to do some work on that building, and Joe, I, I know you're here, so we'll talk about that after along with the library, want to get a better sense of what that could look like. But um, if there was consensus around that building and that building owner potentially receiving funds, we can have that discussion because that would be a building that the state might view as transformational to rehab. Now, it's not a guarantee. We're going to have to do some work on it when we get in it, but that is at least some direction that it has. So that could give you two projects, a downtown revite on the public side and a building renovation on the private side. I know there are other building owners out there. Certainly want to have conversations about what that might look like as we put together a package for Kirksville Downtown Revitalization as the project. Um, any questions <laughs> about any of that, big picture or small picture, before we talk about some of the concepts or what you would specifically like to see uh, for these downtown revitalization pieces? So there still is funding that can be available for other buildings or businesses? Yes, right. nothing is off the table. Okay. Um, the key for buildings is going to be two things. One, universal support from the community, demonstrated letter of support from village leadership that this private business owner has the blessing of the village to receive funds. But two, and more important, because this one's actually harder, uh, is clear documentation of the business plan, the impact that the building is going to have on the transformation of the community, and basically the ability to tell the state a story that this investment that the state is making with public taxpayer dollars is going to lead to public benefit. Again, back to the same question, where, where do we start this? I know it keeps going back to downtown or the library, we, we need the sidewalks and the streets paved, yep. lighting, yep. we've got the library, so do we start with that and then this is what we need with it? Um, we'd certainly start with either one. I think the streets take the place to start with, you know, for the conversation tonight. And there is not yeah. a river in Brooksville. What? There is not a river in Brooksville. Why? Well, yeah, the creek, I, the creek, whatever you want to call it. But as, a, as an asset, you know, for the villages of recreation area. <laughs> I might bring up, is there a liability? Because I know there's a lot of bad stuff flowing, flowing through that too. Is there a liability to the village of having a park that's close enough to access that creek if some kid would get in there and get some toxin in the system? Is that it? That's kind of the, the long-term maintenance of any assets built around ACGP would be responsible for the NHS. So from that, the ability of use of a park near a creek, uh, yes, the village would carry that. Now, if you talk about specific toxins, that's a little bit of a different story because there's pollution and it's not necessarily the village's liability. But yeah, that is something to kind of think about, which is, you know, any kind of, of asset, and I think I made this metaphor last month, you know, you have for any project, public, private, whatever, you have fixed costs and you have variable costs. The state's basically telling you, look, we'll pay for all your fixed costs. We'll build you the, we'll build you the thing you want, but you have to maintain it. 
So, you know, the right-sizing the project for what the village can handle financially to maintain, you know, a park that's currently sitting on village property near the creek, which might be polluted, yeah, that's something to think through. Matching funds come into play at all? They certainly help, but they're not a requirement. And the way that match is determined is going to be very general and very amorphous. And as I mentioned last month, we envision that um, there will be a document put together, maybe two to three to four pages long, that will summarize Crooksville's downtown revitalization of the lights and lights. Street lighting, sidewalks, any particular buildings, library, whatever that looks like. Um, and that that document will describe in general what's going on in the village. Anything that could be plausibly called match, whether it's just, it can even include like a private business owner's own capital in the building, all of that would count. And we would write the narrative accordingly to show that. Say that one more time about the matching fund. There's no requirement for match. The state recognizes match, I'll use in the public context. There's no requirement for any municipal or county or public agency at the local level to put up funds for a project. So the state will pay 100% of the cost of the project, the fixed cost part. Um, however, it's never a bad thing to have match, and it's never a bad thing to demonstrate community investment in a program. So when we write the narrative, Stephanie and I, <laughs> about uh, what's going on in each of these communities, uh, in that two to four page document, we will want to have a general understanding of the private investment that is currently going on in Crooksville, either in a building, around the buildings, in these sites, that shows that there is already economic activity that the project, the downtown revitalization project, will support. Even if it's only like you know twenty thousand dollars, because you usually upgrade an HVAC system or something like anything counts. <laughs> so you you your group you guys will put together. I mean, where do you when are you going to start or where you going to come around to everybody or just the meeting for it or? We can certainly have another meeting. I think we will have another public meeting like this. Certainly this time next month's a good time. I mean, will um, you come to the downtown to you visually see our plan or talk to everybody? Well, that's what we're—that's what I'm hoping we accomplish tonight. I mean, we can certainly talk through and whatever the plans are. Right. I'm curious what the plans are, and if there's building owner-specific plans, which is what I'm guessing you're referring to, we can. So I'm, I'm just worried about again my structure. I, if, if the library helps the downtown, and we get new, <coughs> new sidewalks. I'm thrilled to death. But we're not going to get new little small businesses on Main Street if it's not clean and. Yeah, I think it should be said, the, the idea I think of the majority, at least of the business owners, was to revitalize the businesses in the front of them. And I think many of us, um, I know especially you guys, there's a lot of things, because of the oldness of this, the main street and, and just a lot of decay, it needs it. And, and I think that's kind of where the standstill right here is, is we're trying to figure out how can we keep the business plan and the revitalization of those exteriors and whatnot put into this plan in the best way, or is that just not feasible? Um, what I would say to that is, there is a limited amount of funds that is feasible for each individual community to acquire. 
Um, and so definitely hear you, especially as business owners. It'd be really nice if you could say, hey, you know, can I get 50,000 bucks to tuck point some bricks and fix the facade of my building? And there's a lot of similar communities. You know, we have a lot of business owners who are making similar asks. But what appears to be happening is, is that while $450 million is a lot of money, it's not that much money. It's not a lot of money. <laughs> so we have several billion across the 32 counties yeah. that yeah. have been requested. Well, how do we get our budget? I mean, to say if we want new sidewalks and lighting. That's, that's what he's going to write up and he's going to figure out. Correct. That's the short answer to that yeah. question. We're going to probably be close to two million bucks just in that. Yes. Factor factoring in the inflationary numbers that we're seeing right now, the last nine, ten months, we're going to eat everything up with that. And to add to Michael's point, I, I think that right-sizing your projects helps you get into a more competitive place Correct. when you're talking about joining a group in an application. Is that yes? That with right? like kind and quality, you get 20, 15, 20 people that are doing the same thing, they're going to look at it. But the somewhat frustrating part of this program for all of us is that you know there's no real set budget. It's not like anybody's going like, all right, community's got X amount. All of it's aspirational. So it all so in that way it depends on the strength of that narrative. And so going back to that question about match, you know, if you as a business owner can demonstrate, hey, I need fifty thousand dollars to tuck point brick on a facade because I've invested six hundred thousand of my own money over the last two years and I've got this business plan doing XYZ, etc., to put things in this building. That's a very compelling story where it then becomes kind of easy to show not only the momentum of the business owner, but also the momentum of the community to bring vitality back to downtown. Um, and that's a kind of a difference that's out there. So there the buildings, like when we, to Stephanie's point. There are lists of billions of dollars worth of aspirational projects throughout the 32 counties. And what has been occurring, and will continue to occur, especially while in a big meeting, um, is discussion around getting those lists down to viable projects that are gonna be competitive. So there's a lot of factors that go into competitiveness. I just listed off one specific example that would relate to an individual building which is demonstrated ability to you know, invest in a building, to have that ask for assistance through the state, to cover a capital request, you kind of you get the idea. And that's the thing about this. I'm never gonna tell you no, <laughs> and I'm never gonna tell you yes. <laughs> this is all a sort of feeling out process, but we are heading in the right direction. Um, so, you know, it doesn't hurt to think about things in a budget, but again, that number's flexible. You know, if we're shooting for two million, which seems reasonable given the reasonable context, yeah, I mean, a $2 million streetscape is a little bit different than a $1.2 million streetscape, but maybe we want the $1.2 million streetscape because we want a library renovation because the library is the singular downtown anchor asset that has a significant number of users who bring foot traffic to downtown. And that's all part of that narrative about that ask because maybe there's, Maybe we can double, again, speaking, thinking out loud, but maybe we can double the number of visitors to downtown if Perry County Library Branch building was renovated. That has a big spillover effect on businesses, so maybe that's worth a slightly different streetscape with no park. Um, and to have a little bit of funds go to that, to that particular building. That's the kind of thinking exercise that this is. This is more or less from the library. 
Hello. Good to see you. Oh, well. Nice to see you again as well. Sorry, I'm late. I was at another meeting. So. You're fine. I think you're coming tonight. Um, the other thing I'll say too on this topic is the key for this whole thing, and this this has, it, yes, it's the key for the grant getting the money, but more important than that, the key for this whole thing is to choose things that are going to really make a difference in this community. And so this gets a little bit broader than just this ACGP conversation. You know, when, when this room of people, public and private leaders in this community, look out at this community, what do you see the biggest needs are? Think about that list in your head. And then think about ways that anything discussed through ACGP can address that list. And it might not be direct, it might be indirect. Um, but if we can always tie those two things together, that not only will make the narrative that we need to produce for the state much clearer, it will also mean that every single one of these dollars, if we can get you to two and a half million dollars, which is a lot of money, um, makes every single one of those dollars count. And that's really what we want. We want this to count. So part of the frustration I think all of us procured planners had, and it's in the word planner, is that we didn't actually get to do any planning because the state didn't give us the ability <laughs> to do any planning or the budgets to actually do it. Because right. it would have been nice six months ago to come in and say, hey, you know, let's go through a little bit of a planning process. Let's figure out, you know, what the best investments for this community are and be a little bit less guessing. But that didn't happen. It is what it is. We're a little late in the timeline for that. But we can still go through the exercise together over the next few weeks, starting tonight or continuing from last month we're doing tonight, to identify those things and make those connections. So when you guys look out over the village, what is on that list of big picture not problems, we don't want to think of anything as problems, but what are, the, what are the things that you would like to see addressed in this community over the next three to five years? We need some way of bringing business to the town. Okay. I mean, other people have four-wheeler paths, walking paths. You know what I mean? We don't, I've been racking my brain for almost a year trying to figure out one thing that we could do to bring people to the town. And it's, uh, Hard to hard to bring it, especially when 93 cuts mm -hmm. Main Street off. You know, the whole main part of town. Off. We need something to make them think about. Let's turn off the 93 and go down there yeah. and see what's down there. I mean, I talked. You know, we need to blow up 93, so they'll have to do. <laughs> Take but, it back where it used yeah, to be. Yeah, where it used to be. But I'm sure a lot of people didn't like that either. Drive business through town. But no, I think that streetscape would be that first right cog in the wheel there. You know, right. Um, Redoing that and, and giving a, uh, the the direct avenue to downtown. But we need to find a way of bringing people to the town, and it's just not a. Right. So what could happen. those things be? I, I mean, other people have like four wheelers. I mean, it's it might not be anything or. Uh, bike pass. You know, yeah. You know what you're talking I mean, about. bike pass. Amphitheater or. Yeah. Um, a volleyball court, indoor rec center, you know what I mean? Something that we can get them into the town so they can spend some money. So that's, even that's some, the hard part. Yeah. Or even some landscaping or something at the entrance of Main Main Street. Does the city own anything at the, the entrance of Main Street? That there's like any wiggle room like between the highway and the rest of the businesses? Is the highway is clear back to the fence, don't they? 
Chicago gives the fence, state, states to the fence. States to the fence, and then you got your right-of-ways is basically what you have. I mean, you're narrow even up on Main Street, like we was talking streetscape up there. You're talking sidewalks are pretty much what they're going to be, just better. Because, uh, and we looked at pool lighting up there before years ago, and moving them was crazy expensive, if I remember. I remember, do you remember after that when Tom and... Oh yeah, yeah. 10, 12 years ago. We were talking about yeah, it's it's doable, but it's, it's doable. expensive. It's, it's more expensive now than yeah. it was then. Sure. But uh, but I don't know. I, as far as far as um, yeah, you want to draw in, but you got to make the aesthetics look better now, and that's the sidewalks and two downtown and the lighting two downtown. Those are probably the main two things. You, I mean, if you could have some. Decent, good-looking lighting, like the lights out front here, and something like that, and, and, and sidewalks up through Main Street where, you know, and uh, good sidewalks and with, with good lighting on them and not just the pools that we have now. It's, it's an expense. I haven't looked into it. About, mm -hmm. about well, on the underground, too, the infrastructure. Make sure that the runoff and the water and everything gets away instead of just pulling and... Right. Right, so your question about what we're doing, that is what we are doing, is we're going through and creating those plans. We're looking into the lighting elements, like that is what we're going to produce. So whether it's the next meeting or we do one before application, we can figure out the timeline, but there will be some kind of plan that will address those elements, and there'll be a cost estimate attached to that. There'll be somewhere between a million and a half and two million dollars, something like that. So then. The question is, is all right, what elements are in, what's out, do we support the library, do we support private business owners, like how does this kind of work so that we get this package together. But that's kind of where, on that planning question, I asked about three to five years, you know, assume that this happens, because, you know, again, can't promise anything, never going to tell you yes, never going to tell you no, but there's a pretty good chance this is going to happen. <laughs> so it could be that in a year and a half, all of these elements that were just described are going to be here. But I'm guessing Main Street's still going to have this, a similar kind of vacancy rate with the moment that all that stuff gets turned on. And we're hoping that these elements are going to draw more eyes, more attention, more customers, potentially, but there's still going to need to be businesses there. So that's why I asked that higher level, almost post-ACGP planning question, what can this community do once all those fixed costs are paid for to bring that vitality you're talking about back to town. You mentioned a few assets, amphitheater, bike paths, four wheels, some kind of rec center. You know, how would those things come to fruition? We have a rec center. We need the money <laughs> and the people to run the programs to do the rec center stuff. Um, at a public level, and we haven't had that for five, six years, almost six, six years. Probably well, Chris did four yeah. or five years. Chris, Chris still tried a climbing wall in the rec center. Um, used to have archery in the rec center. We. Uh, used to have basketball and so forth, COVID kind of squashed that, mm -hmm. you know, because we stuck with the guidelines of being safe versus, mm -hmm. and then those programs kind of just 
Yeah. No, I get it. I'm correct. We have a weight room down there too, Tyler. Yeah. Just needs to fix up. But then you're then you're you know kind of toying and playing against the for profit gym and, and and business that's in town. So you know what what do you do there? You don't want to want to kill that business for some of the same things that they're going and, and having subscriptions for. Um, it's a <clears throat> you're trying to we're trying to incorporate the small business entity back in and what's going to draw small business to Main Street um, it's those property owners that are sitting there with empty buildings that are going to have to decide that too help me with it I mean I got I got like four sitting there empty. I know I mean what are you I, supposed to do I know I know I'd love to I know. we have a half acre vacant lot that would facilitate a fitness center on the side of ours Right. I know that's asking a lot, but it is available. So as the property owners, do you ever get interest for rentals, either local or from out of town? I've had buildings sitting for months. Mm -hmm. You just, it is, why, why come to Crystal? That's the point. Mm -hmm. that's well, the that's, the, that's the question you guys are going to have to answer. Right, and I think, like I said, we've, we've been doing, the business yeah. owner's been meeting for almost a year over this, and it's just a... You're sitting here going, just dumbfounded that, that we don't know where to go from to get drawn people. It's hard to draw people. Most of the small communities, do they have zoning in their downtown? Um, yes. A lot of those codes have been around for a long time. And they, you know, just being a little blunt, especially as a non professional planner, so it's a uh, a lot of them were created for a time and a place that no longer exists. So, in some cases, their utility is a little bit uh, less than it was. I think, in general, when you think about zoning, you know, uh, which has both positive and negative connotations for particular property owners, because um, there's an element of control about you know, certain signage restrictions and what percentage of the lot is covered, parking, and all that stuff. And, so you can get into a whole lot of course in some of that stuff. <laughs> um, but on its own, too, the second piece is that zoning is a tool to help shape your built environment. But it's not going to, you know, it's not a tool that can be used to bring certain things in. I could add to that. I mean, I live in Spirit and work in Licking County. There's a lot going on in Licking County around Intel. And so my organization, Neighborhood Strategies, has done a lot of zoning for very small communities that are just a little bit outside of the immediate impact of Intel right now, but very concerned about development and growth coming at them very quickly. And they're very rural communities. Sure. So there has been an appetite specific to that, that growth. What the zoning there is to keep business from taking over there. Uh, I, it's to curate how it develops. Jones so not, none of them yeah. want to prevent too many things. I think they're just a little um, concerned about how fast it will grow and, and how over. it grows. Yeah, being run over. Absolutely. Yeah. We, have, we have a lot of residential on our main street. And downtown is maybe two blocks. Basically, I mean, there's probably maybe half and half business and residential. Mm -hmm. 
hand. I haven't had too much problems with businesses, you know, keeping their properties and stuff like that, but the residential, you know, that's a part of what I see as a stumbling block to, you know, putting new sidewalks and new lighting and then expecting people to come in when there's houses that should have been torn down 50 years ago and other people that don't take care of them. I think that as a planner, you probably, or the group has seen quite a lot of that in other counties, right? That yes. coming up as an issue, a barrier? Yes, I mean, housing and, and you know, quality of housing, ability of housing, location of housing, all of these are issues. And the way to think about that in the big picture is, is that most places around the state, I'm not just talking about rural, I'm talking about urban too. Most places around the state that face these challenges were built at a time where the built environment was different. So, you know, there are, and, and in a way, you know, we're not making them like we used to. The only new housing that was built is detached, very large suburban housing around the, uh, the belts of our major cities. It's like that across the entire country. There's no new housing really to speak of going on in many of these urban neighborhoods as well, just like the people. So that is a very large systemic issue where the way out, and this is going to kind of, I guess, be, you know, a thought I had in general about for all communities face these issues on the commercial side too, is that the way out for a lot of these problems is to find some way at the very local level to generate your own demand for these services. So, you know, Econ 101, supply and demand, we're in a community where, you know, you have an oversupply in Econ terms of available commercial space because there's not a lot of demand for that particular kind of commercial space, which tends to be a little bit older and has some challenges. Now, the plus side of it being older and having challenges is that it's cheaper. <laughs> so you can create, a little bit easier, a local market for your rental space, potentially, if you can identify individuals in this community and support them through whatever that means. I'm not talking financial support from the village. I'm not talking about handouts or anything. I'm talking about like general encouragement, wraparound sort of services, you know, plugging them into the right kind of resources that are available on the regional level that are built for this to help potential prospective business owners rent from you. <laughs> so who in Crooksville do we know of, even just socially, that would love to start a restaurant if they could be talked into it or whatever it is, a gymnasium, an archery range, you know, an axe throwing place, whatever it is, like, how could the business owners, the village, and the community come together to create local momentum for change? That's really, I think, the question on the table, especially in the post-ACG. And having that included in the narrative helps support your application. I'll do that too. <laughs> Is there anything specific that you've seen and the whole idea of making Crooksville more, get more growth and, and, and traffic. Is there anything you've seen in any of the communities you work with that seems to help more than others? Something that seems to be like the golden target or something? Or is there any, any there's suggestions? One, there's one thing that works, and that is to talk to your neighbors over and over and over. Large community meetings, small gatherings on front porches, that's the only thing that works. About what? 
about getting this kind of momentum going, about identifying who in this community is, and again, step up is the wrong way to say it. We don't even really have a word vocabulary to say that these things don't work. <laughs> but like, would be willing to, you know, do some kind of venture in the downtown. Again, whatever that means, starting a coffee shop, um, some kind of the things that you mentioned, whatever that is. And that's the thing, I don't have the answers. You're not gonna bring anybody in here that's gonna give you the answer. What we can give you is good process. Um, and that's really where the opportunity for ACGP lies, is that big picture, this is a unique, one-time only infusion of money that can help reset the downtown core built environment. What happens after that is up to the community. So in order to do these things we're talking about, yes, it'll help if there's lighting that'll draw people in off of, off of the highway. It'll also help if downtown's pleasant with planter boxes and refreshed sidewalks and with areas to walk that the village is gonna take great expense to maintain. Correct. Because <laughs> it's gonna increase the village's ongoing cost to maintain it. In order to get folks back into downtown, that's gonna help, but that's maybe 15 or 20% of the metal. The other 80% of the battle comes from this community. It comes from people who want to do things in this community because it's a unique opportunity that will benefit them personally because there's a market here and they know they're going to get support here from their community for that venture. I will say one of the things you have going for you, and she's not here tonight, but it's Kate because she's a little under the weather. There are people throughout the region that move here and choose to move here like Kate did. Pete, um, and there's a lot, there are folks just like Kate in this community. There are young people here, you guys obviously, you know, you can do this. <laughs> it's not easy, but this is what you can do that other communities aren't doing. Okay. So there's a library and Joe put together a plan and Jamie put together what his ideas are and present it. Um, for the purposes of the grant, yes, but the grant's not the important thing. The ideas that they have need to be shared amongst you guys in this community. And see, when, when we started this, like Joe said, almost, almost, a, year almost a year ago, we, we, were, we were meeting over at Bill Glass's building and, and there, there were several times, several meetings where people were standing. I mean, there, there were, you know, practically every business person, business owner in, from Brooksville was there, and a lot of just people, you know, were there. And, and, and I think, you know, it, it was, okay, there's 450 million or how, however much money, you know, we, we may be able to get a part of this. And so everybody was all excited. And then, and then, you know, the, the rules kept changing and, 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 you know, and this person wanted this and this person wanted that and, and but, but it was a, it was a, I mean, we had some Sorry. really good Sorry. productive meetings with good. just, just a group of people that we just said, hey, we need to get together and talk about this okay. and see what we can do. And, and that's, that's what I think you're saying is, is we need to do those kinds of things because there were a lot of people there that were really, you know, 
this is our home. Mm -hmm. and, and we want it to be our home. Mm -hmm. We want it to be here. You know, we have a gorgeous school. We have the new fire department. We have, you know, the, the park. We have all this stuff. And if, if our downtown, if, if it disappears, we don't have any kids to go to school. We don't have any properties to, for the fire department. We have nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just going to disappear. Yes. I think continuing those conversations and setting the tone the right way is the key. So I suspect at the beginning, a lot of the business owners showed up because it's like, hey, this is for a million dollars. So I get that. And that's okay and that's natural and you're doing it right. wrong. As you restart that conversation, lead with, hey, get excited, guys. Crooksville's going to get millions of dollars to fix up its downtown. What do we do now? That's what is key. That's what going forward kind of um, one of the things you could also do, to Stephanie's point about planning, is that you guys as the community could ask of your officials to memorialize some of that through a comprehensive planning process. And so that could be something that the village could discuss and get support for. There's money out there, potentially from other sources in the future, that could defray the cost to the village of doing some kind of plan. Um, they could have different components, including economic development and infrastructure planning and a variety of things that could help offset some of that cost. But having a comprehensive plan or going through a planning process in a formal way, led by the village and a consultant that they choose, somebody like myself or Stephanie, um, would also help potentially create some momentum through the municipal side as well. But at the end of the day, it's the community that's going to be the key in moving these things forward exactly as you said that was well said. The only other thing we've talked about with Melissa was kind of a maker space. Um, we've talked about that with meeting rooms, a place to, to do things, but it's kind of, that was kind of a big situation there mm -hmm. also. So. And in the beginning we had the school on board and they had talked about partnering and expanding services with something like a maker space or upskilling classes, things like that in the downtown to bring people into downtown. Yep. I think the other thing that came up at, at maybe the very first meeting I attended was to kind of hone in on services that might be utilized here but maybe wouldn't come from here. For example, some kind of a healthcare um, service coming to downtown. Well, you wouldn't have to have the money for that. The corporation who owns that healthcare service would have the money for that, and they would rent the space and they would provide the service. But that service would bring people to the community who may then eat at the restaurant and use the bank and, and all of those things. So I think that um, you know the money doesn't always have to come from a grant or from local people sometimes you just have to get buy-in from larger things like genesis or um united health or something like that and um and bring bring something in to downtown of course when we talked about expanding library services we talked about adding small meeting room spaces so that they could be like a landing zone for entrepreneurs to come in and, and kind of like a you know Wi-Fi 
equipped facility where you could use this for the day for your office space. If you're between here and there, this is a good place. It's right off 93. There's a little restaurant, there's bank, there's all these things, um, you know, or if you don't have the, 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 way, the means to travel to Columbus to a doctor's appointment, you could come in, do a teledoc appointment, telehealth, and then also use the facilities. So I think that there was a lot of brainstorming in the, in the beginning. Some of those ideas yes. have moved forward. And I think it's not clear yet exactly how that's all going to play out, but there is discussion of mobile health clinics around traveling to communities and specific sites that is still under discussion for ACGP, as a more than one of those entities you kind of mentioned. So I wrote down that as a follow-up to educate myself a little bit more about where those conversations are at. Because you know, whether it's at the library or whether it's a different building, you know, certainly having Crooksville be willing and on the list as a site for that should be put in front of whoever is going to do that. So I'll carry that forward. Sure. We were very successful this summer in bringing um, Vision to Learn to Crooksville, and we had a full slate of kiddos who were seen by Vision to Learn van and got their glasses this summer at no cost, and that's an Appalachian Grant mm -hmm. um, service as well. So I do think the mobile units are a great idea. Yeah. Um, so I think you know you guys as business owners continue to talk a little bit differently now about what the ACGP and beyond world could look like and what those creative ideas are and who those entrepreneurs in this community might be and maybe even challenging some of the owners of the buildings obviously you guys are hearing a lot of properties but there are others to think creatively amongst yourself of who in this community would make a good tenant before they would start a business. Because that is one way to get, that's actually the best way, to get tenants into these buildings um, and to help get them started. There's all kinds of resources out there, which I mentioned last month, Ohio University and their Small Business Development Center that can be deployed at any time for free to anyone and provide business planning assistance and advice. So there are you know, the, the, the government, I mean government in the big picture, federal, state, local, various universities, etc., provide a lot of resources that most people don't know about to aspiring business owners. And there's a lot of services that folks can get if they know where to go and ask the right questions. So this kind of stuff is out there, and I would encourage everyone to check them out. It's pretty easy Google Ohio University Small Business Development Center. And become familiar with what resources exist both for yourselves and for potential tenants. Would, uh, can we use uh, Amista Lafont as a connector for that small business? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, let me know if you, I mean, you know Amista yeah, very well, right. so you can yeah. talk with her, but I was just going to point out that they also received other technical assistance funds outside of ACGP, and they're looking at Surveying, surveying all the communities on how they can provide services like that to help connect you to other funding opportunities and just other services in general. So, yeah, definitely bring that up to complement this and just go beyond the ACGP. You know, what could be a fun exercise, either in one of your meetings or maybe someday in a planning process, is to sit down with a group of business owners, community, whoever wants to show up, and just think about the kinds of things you want to see on Main Street. Maybe we could do that right now for a couple of minutes. Like, you know, if you had your ideal world, 
you, you know the space, you know the size of your downtown, you know how many properties are available. We're talking about maybe, you know, a dozen storefronts. You know, what would you like to see there? Oh, in four yeah. or five years. Hardware, and hardware store again. Uh, a Ben Franklin's department store like we used to have. It was fantastic. You didn't have to go to Zane's order every time you needed something. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see it. Uh, a lot of businesses that were there come back. Hardware, general retail, department yeah. store style. Right? Butcher, baker, candlestick <laughs> maker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the buildings I have. At one time it was at Kroger and an IGA, yeah. and then there's a Tolliver's Meat Market across the street. I mean, it was like. Sure. Grocery, 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 bar, yeah. grocery, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. they were everywhere, but it's... Yeah. Yeah. According to that, yeah. if, if you, you've probably been to Bell Fountain or heard of it. I mean, he, he seems to go, he he takes his space, he, he thinks, okay, this is a good space for a CPA. He builds the space, this is not exactly, but he finishes out the, the office space, then he goes looks for somebody, recruits the business. Sure. And then provides a lot of wraparound services yeah. around that business. And it goes get That's what I was describing to yep. help that business yep. succeed. And they've established an entity there, I think, to help them do that, or a couple of them, I think, yes. to help them do that um, as a group. They have a plan, and then they invest in that plan and so attract small yeah. Yes, it's small nation. That's who we went on. We went yes. on a tour. Jason. I mean, we went out there. Jason and Nick, yeah. Yes. Um, yes, it's very impressive, and that's very one model that, this, that can sort of describe this. Now, there's a couple conditions there, because you have one property owner on most of the downtown, which sort of helps with that. Um, so it's a little bit unique. But you can certainly replicate the good pieces of that model along these lines, which is what I've, we've been talking about tonight. Wraparound services, connections, resources, community support, etc. So the next step on that thought exercise, right, we sort of see what we'd like to see there. All right, evaluating what happened, especially with those things of the past, like, okay, candlestick makers went out of business 400 years ago, why was that? <laughs> well, you know but what yeah, I thought of. <laughs> yes, and so I, I was being gentle on that, Doc, because I didn't want to go after a couple of the other The old, the, the old um, businesses that, that yeah. are no more, you know, the upholsterer, the carpet right. sales, the um, the the specialized meat counter, the clothing yeah, store, the clothing store, the right. special tailors right. that were in town, the furniture store, know, and the shoe stores, the jewelry store, the jewelry store. You know those those things that have you know have been eaten up by yep. uh, online economic changes. Economic changes. Yeah, we yep. we haven't had a dentist in this town since Troy died. Yep. Right. My doctor. Or not um, but to that point, yes, exactly, and that's where I was going. So you have economic changes that remove the needs for a lot of those types of businesses because of online and the way our economy's changed. However, repair stores, antique stores, but I want to focus more on repair, do tend to do well in communities like these. Correct. So someone who came along or is maybe doing it right now in their basement or their garage in Crooksville and nobody knows about it yet because that's what conversations are for and you figure out what everybody's doing who is good at repairing watches and shoes and all of these items that you just listed out, that's a downtown business. That's a business where there's a clear demand for it and there's a clear customer base because there's a lot of people that probably need watches and shoes and whatever fixed. 
that's the kind of con that's the kind of thing that can emerge when conversations are held in the community, and you get a sense to see what's out there and what's possible. And there's all kinds of other you know we talked about all we just talked about how online destroyed some things. Online creates a lot of retail business opportunities in downtowns as well. E-gaming, huge. Downtown areas are small e-gaming spaces in small towns because there's a lot of kids right now here in Kirksville that are playing Call of Duty. <laughs> um, so if they had a gathering place to go, <laughs> maybe there's a small arcade with an e-sports arena in it that's a profitable business venture for somebody. Maybe a 22-year-old is taking an online class right now at Zane State or at Rio Grande that with a little bit of assistance, knowing that there's a building for rent for X amount of money a month, could open up an e-game studio. Um, all kinds of possibilities like that exist if this community can talk to each other in a in this kind of way, in this sort of new way, although we've already started. So we need a new chamber of commerce, basically, where everyone gathers together the businesses and you know, talks about what, you know, a plan for the future of the town then brings it to the village, or the village is a part of that chamber, or group, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Yeah, it, and that's what chambers were for. <laughs> I think it's difficult to, to maintain that sort of thing. You know, if, you, if you don't have some sort of industry in town, I mean, when people have to drive to Columbus to work or near to work, they're going to stop on the way back to work or to home and get what they need on the way home, which is cut out a lot of the services that we need to have here. And I, I, so I think you need some sort of uh, industry where the working man is going every day to support the kind of things that we want to do here. And then that seems to be historical at best. There's truth to that. You're definitely on the right track with that. Um, part of what a comprehensive plan could look at is some sort of economic development strategy. And there's sort of a, keep in mind all these words are kind of fake. I can move on because I'm not real from there. Um, you know, economic development and community development seem to be classified in their own worlds. And so what people mean when they say that, community development is everything we're talking about about this kind of small business growth, communities talking amongst each other, identifying opportunities that already exist in the community. Economic development is shorthand for a whole world that is built up around attracting companies from the outside of the local community. My past life, before I became a consultant, I worked in economic development in a long story. But you know, there's that, that world exists, it's out there, there are strategies for that. And part of what they do is they try to bring back manufacturing to communities. There are pluses and minuses of both approaches. The main minus of the community development approach is what you said, it's hard. And it's also hard to maintain if you don't have constant, consistent buy-in from every member of the community where everyone feels they're all, they're all part of it. That's where Fred's Chamber of Commerce comment comes into play. Chambers of Commerce is were historically and still are vehicles for that kind of community dialogue. Um, the minus of economic development is, is that it doesn't always work, and even if it does work, it's not necessarily the same kind of jobs as they were before. Because sure. to win those types of employment, wages are a little bit lower, and companies in many ways kind of get to dictate terms about things like zoning and utility rates and all of that kind of thing. And so part of what Stephanie was saying earlier about Intel 
is those communities are attempting to do the best that they can to sort of set the terms for the development that's coming. It may or may not work. Yeah, I'll read the poll. We worked in St. Albans. St. Albans Township, our comprehensive plan stock, when a company tried to come in and go to a location that the community didn't want. $25 billion up there talks and goes a long way. <laughs> well, this was not quite that large. Yeah, but, it, I mean, but Intel, I mean, their yes. total investment over years is going to be $25 billion. Four-story buildings for blocks and blocks and blocks. Yeah. And, about, so we, we need, we try to rally another business group. And we say, Jamie, here's what he, he has in mind. Here's his budget that we're going to take. I mean, he needs to do that. I mean, Joe and Melissa needs to get together for the library project. I, mean, I think all of us wants the, the street. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I think where we're at now is, um, yeah, we can keep talking, but I know it's eight o'clock, but they said we were for time. Where we're at now, in, in, in this round, and again, compared to Griffin, I think we are pretty much settled on what ACGP for Cook's Falls is. Streetscape these elements, lamp, storm water, try to do what we can to fix the issues and see what we can do for the library because it is an anchor project in downtown. Other buildings can certainly be on that list, but at the moment it doesn't seem like there's most of them are going to meet the criteria of being right now. Is it going to hurt the list if it's on? It, it, it won't be able to make the list because of eligibility criteria for ACGP. Now, again, anyone is free to talk to me at any time about any of their buildings and have that conversation. Not a problem. And we can go through it and I can point by point explain exactly what any business owner is going to need to do to qualify. But it is a tough lift. Um, I think that where you guys go from here, is to begin to have those discussions about what it looks like in this community when ACGP is done. When that two million streetscape is in. What are you guys gonna do when Stephanie and I go away? We don't have to go away for good, we're always around to help you with this. You know, that's what the consultants are good for. But when ACGP goes away, what is this community left with besides a really nice, empty downtown? How does it get refilled? And that's on the community, that's on you guys. So business owners meeting to reframe the conversation a little bit to celebrate that the village is going to get some money is a good first step. Some kind of community meeting about the future of Crooksville might also be a good idea where citizens are invited to provide input. There's nothing that says that you have to wait to get a grant to start a comp plan or to hire a consultant to start a comp plan. You can do it yourself at any time. You can call community meetings, you can, you know, have discussions about who is doing what in this community and invite them to participate with civic life. That's really the immediate next step. And I can't emphasize enough how much, how important it will be when we go to write a narrative, even if, you know, your projects are a component of a very large application. Just having a few sentences we can include on how sustainable your projects are by the efforts that the community is putting into to plan for the future, to keep that momentum going for what was invested through this this grant program, right? So that is what we're hearing is going to make them transformational. Something else to consider. He mentioned, I think it's a really good point. There's not a lot of parking downtown. 
we might consider that a parking space that could also be used for events, festivities, because I, we, you know, we have the resources probably to, to move into a coffee shop and maybe make two, which is our goal anyways. But downtown is a struggle to consider as an option because at this point there's not even a parking to for normal traffic of customers. Meanwhile, we're looking to do several different things with that, and I don't even know how we could facilitate that much parking without can do at some point as being in a, something to look at some sort of parking space because there's really not a lot. We talked about that down by the that, that property you looked at is making a maybe parking and uh, recharging station. What was it? Bus, several things the, we talked about in that area. The bus stop or whatever you call oh, it. Yeah. Oh, and the stop for because uh, it'd be right to bottom of Main Street for, for transit. Yeah, for Perry County Transit. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. really could be used space for something like that, but that's parking, something we need to look into in the future. I will say that parking comes up in every single community that Stephanie and I have ever been in or continue to be in. I live in Newark. It comes <laughs> up a lot. <laughs> but I would say two things. Blunt <coughs> is because I'm not a planner. Um, most communities that feel they have a parking problem have a walking perception problem. There is a perception that customers will not walk a couple of blocks to go to a place. Um, the good news for that is that if people are parking and walking to go to a coffee shop, they tend to find a place where to park. <laughs> um, and it's a good problem to have. That's the second thing is that the places that legitimately have parking problems where folks have to walk four or five blocks to go to a coffee shop or would actually be a deterrent when you get to that point it's a very good problem to have because there's a lot of stuff that comes into play after that in terms of resources and things that are available in the communities to address those kinds of problems i'll be blunt and honest and say that i think out of all 32 counties in every single community and every single city in the entire region maybe five places meet that definition in the entire state um so what you want is lots of cars parked downtown at all times because <laughs> that shows you've got a vital area um the other thing i would say if you got to that point too is that parking meters are your friend Everybody says they hate them, but they're actually the business owner's best friend because people move their cars. Also helps the village to maintain some of those assets. And since it's public space, it's a pretty easy argument to make. And Michael, might some of the streetscape plans help in this? I mean, the perception of walkability is often the environment that you're walking around in, right? Yeah. So if it doesn't feel like a, an area that you would walk around in because it doesn't feel safe or it doesn't feel slow enough with traffic you know, speeds. Um, I, I know you mm -hmm. may not be getting into that detail with the streetscape, but maybe you could build upon that in the future from whatever's done through this program. It'd be yeah. something to think about in planning phases. So. Yes, and, and Stephanie's exactly right. And I'll actually say in support of it, something that's gonna sound counterintuitive. You made the point earlier that the streets are very narrow. That's actually a very, very good thing <laughs> for what Stephanie said. Yeah. You want that walkable feel, you want that downtown. Yeah. You don't necessarily want rows of parking on both sides of the street because it actually hurts walkability. Right. One of the fantasies that I have, and we'll 
continue to fight for in a couple of the other communities I'm working in is, and I may not win this battle, but I'm trying to convince the powers that be in those communities to remove parking on their main streets for the reasons that uh, Stephanie stated. Because if you actually remove parking in front of businesses in crowded areas, you get more customers. It's sort of counterintuitive, but it's true. That don't make a bit of sense. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're because it's, yep, it's a walking problem. It's not a parking problem. We're actually this is an older community. They can't walk. Everything's yeah. older though, Joe. I'm yeah. All these communities are in a row, but I'm just saying. We're you, all old. Yeah. And we're having this very conversation and we're going through a zoning process in, well, it's not technically Alexandria, but St. Albans Township around Alexandria and Lincoln County. And it, you know, it's a big change for them. It's a huge leap, a jump into what is going to be the future of their community. Right. Sure. Um, now they are facing an enormous amount of development, but they're trying to keep the somewhat rural, small town feel while also embracing development coming up around them. So. What's going to help them is the urban sprawl. You mentioned it earlier. The new housing trend is length and width, not up and down. And that's what the majority of homes in town are. It's the narrow lots, it's the up and down stairs. And a lot of people don't like stairs anymore. We're all getting older. We all want one floor plans and everything on the simple, simple, uh, simple floor plan. And the way that you know, again, our village was lotted out was lotted out in, in narrow, buildable, two-story, three-story homes, lots. You know, and uh, that's that's one of the things we've got plenty of lots for sale. You can call the Perry County Land Bank. The houses that we've gotten. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last five, six years to tear down, you know, those lots are for sale, but, you know, they, they had dilapidated, uh, damaged two-story houses on the people neglected and let go and, and forfeited for the back taxes. Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. And when this place was built, and it's not unique to Kirksville, it's unique, it's most of the state, it's true, urban, rural, everywhere. You know, we don't make them like we used to. This, these, this town was built at a time where the development pattern that we're used to did not exist. Right. Strip malls, you know, large suburban sort of flat houses all did not literally exist. And so there's a market, to your point, you're making a market argument that the type of housing stock available here and throughout the rest of the region is not the trendiest or the most popular. And that is one of the reasons that it is difficult to attract residents here. Not the only reason. The only reason. It's, right. But, but it's part of the story. The, yeah. If you look at the housing stock in town, I don't know that there's a dozen houses for sale today. But there are advantages to this as well because in downtowns that have multiple stories and, and loft areas, those types of converted apartments are in high demand. And there are lots of people that actually would like to live in those, even in communities like Crooksville, that are currently mostly empty in their downtowns, would love to live in a place like that. And so there is demand for that kind of housing in downtown cores. Now, the two-story ranch home, four blocks from downtown, that's going to be a little bit tougher lift. But you got to start somewhere. Again, and viability. The two-story yes. apartment is walking to the bank, walking yep. to the library, going over to the... Uh, the well, walking 22 steps up is the next problem. Right. 
for walking through the snow down to get a sandwich. It's going to be a little tricky to. That does so. bring up a good point of diversity of housing stock, right? So considering the population or of residents in your community and what their needs are, right? So making sure you've got you're able to attract new people, younger people, but also consider those that don't want a lot of stairs in their right. home. Joe, how much business do you say you do in a weekly weekly amount from the second largest employer in Perry County, PCC, that's downtown? Do you get do you get a lot of lunch orders from delivery them? to them? You mean like that type of? Yeah, it's it's very nil. It's not it's not a bunch. So they must have machines inside them. They they have a AV AV DI or whatever. They have machines inside with. You swipe a card, but they got you know they get a twenty minute lunch break too. Yeah, they don't give them a lot of time to eat, and they work weird hours. You used to work a lot. Yeah, yeah, they're running. They're basically running three shifts. I think. Yes, because I work right, and and but they've redone the cafeteria, and it's yeah. We used used to order. That's what I. Just wanted to get. I've been meaning to ask you that for months, asking about you know the outside because there's you know at one point in time before COVID there was uh, nearly 300 people that worked over there three shifts. It was better, a lot better before COVID. Everything yeah. was. And and, and when it's, COVID hit, they screeched the brakes and and they were down to 44 people. And you know they're back to about half of where they were, but they're still not full tilt. You know they're they're still 100. 175 people working there again. What would it take to convince that company to not give them 20 minute lunch breaks instead of give them an hour? I would never do that. <laughs> we work there, we know. We can't, we can't, <laughs> if we take food to them, we can't even get paid for it. So but that's the that's, kind of thinking that this leads you to. And that's the kind of place you want to explore and you want to go to because, you know, this battle about lunch breaks and time has been fought many, many times and many times in history, including right now. Um, and there are times and places for that kind of stuff. And it could be something this community thinks about. If a 20-minute lunch break is an impediment to people who live in this community who work there, let alone the business owners who can't get lunch orders, which means downtown suffers, we can make right. those chains and connections. There's trade-offs, though, too. <laughs> There's trade-offs, though, too. That's where the economic development thing I mentioned yeah. comes into play. Uh, there are county commissioners have have they bought in on any of this to assist any of the communities like Crooksville applying for these grants, this grant particular grant? They won't need to. They won't need to. That's the best answer I can give. But yet, it'll help us if Village of Crooksville buys in for the projects that our business owners have. Correct. Correct. That's because well, the they state have to have, the they state have, to have is, to produce. The state's looking at it at the community level, not at the county level. And you know, Amista will make sure that you find a spot in an application somewhere. No, I know that. You already have a spot in an application. Yes. I know that too. <laughs> There's your other applicant right there. Just trying to improve the odds. Should we be back next month? 
I can be. I hope I, my team would have some concepts by then, but I can't guarantee that uh, just because of workload and how things are progressing. Uh, it's also not entirely clear to us at all when these things are supposed to be done. Sure. We don't actually know the application <laughs> deadline yet. It's still so, November. <laughs> uh, it's still a giant big puddle yeah. of possibly early January. Yeah. The two from Yeah, but, but that's where this is a weird program because I I'm very confident. And again, it's not something you want to celebrate. You don't want to count chickens before they hatch. Absolutely. Kind of but very confident that this is on the right track to happen. So I'm less worried about where the application goes, what the money looks like, all that kind of stuff. I am more concerned now about, because I, I wear two Generic. hats, the external hat where I deal with everything going on at the big picture level with everybody else outside of my company. And I also run everything in my company. I make sure that every one of our communities, our teams are aligned and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a little more, I need to pay a little more attention on the internal side to make sure that deliverables are produced, et cetera, et cetera. So I you know, would certainly be welcome to come back and present ideas and talk through some concepts, which is kind of what I thought we could talk a little bit about tonight. If certainly, have, maybe we are talking about lighting and what's sort of important. And we have a general idea. We can make some general concepts. But if there's anything like super specific that you want in a, you know, downtown plan, certainly let me know tonight. Um, but yeah, that could be our next meeting is to come back and talk through the logistics of that. And for the business owners, I do have cards here. You know, if you know, and we'll talk about the library here shortly, but. You know, if you guys feel or are interested in, you know, the point about the 50,000 tuck point, the brick example on facades, we can have a conversation about that, but it's a tough lift. It might be a tough lift, I don't know. Streetscapes, does yeah. that only pertain to the, the, the street, the sidewalk, the lighting? I, I, I need awnings. So, I did, as a matter of fact, I've got quotes out there for them. I'm working on them, but is that something that falls under streetscape, or is that something that falls that's, under? That's a private business. That's, that's why I didn't it's, know. It's not a public business. It could. I did not. We can keep that in mind. If you have quotes for awnings, and if you have documents, it's probably going to happen before this money comes available. That's that's. And we can call it match. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm still in the story of private investment. That'd be your match, Joe, the new one. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the library. Yeah. Right down, it could be matched. Okay. Is there a timeline for uh, the business plans of the businesses that's going to request funding? If that is going to happen. There's any private business owner that would request funding. That needs to be all of that needs to be put together. And I need to look at those and we need to go through that. My reason I ask that question, I'm not sure how long it take the OU group to uh, put a class on for our business owners, you know, to accomplish that task. I would think for ACGP application purposes, probably not, but for general Crooksville business owner and community conversations, absolutely do it, independent of the ACGP timeline. So any uh, commitment uh, from a business can just be in a formal letter saying this is, you know, 
if they want to request funding for improvements to their building? We're going to need all of that, and there'll be a process that, that I definitely take Okay. Is that something that, you know, that you know, would want to happen? Make, you yes. Know, we need the strength, not only on our businesses, but, you know, from everyone in the community and, you know, our public officials here, too. You know. There is a, and, you know, certainly, again, if anyone wants to follow up, you know, the individual conversation reference. There is a lot that I have not even said in this meeting that is required of business owners and building improvements to meet the thresholds for eligibility. It's got to have the public. That, uh, that, it's got to have the public. Yeah. There's also some Benefit things about too. uses, and, and there's, there's a lot to it. So I, it's not easy. <laughs> and you have to tie COVID yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah. yeah. What keeps you safer from COVID? You, what has the public in it? Do you mean with this group of funding? Yes. This particular this particular group of funding yes. is what you're talking about. Yes. So we can talk to Cage and, oh, yeah. and, and well you know, about yeah. What, what I would say for business owner assistance mm -hmm. is the first place to start is that you know doing a public meeting about it. Yeah, that's a great idea. And seeing if oh you could do that whatever the works. But for individualized services, Ohio Small Business, Ohio University Small Business, he's one at Ohio State too. Go in and using those resources. Having a good understanding. Say that's more of the progression. There's a lot of opportunity there, including for some special funding that has to deal with distressed communities and all lies. There's a lot. And in assistance yeah. um, for new businesses and establishments. I mean, that might be always where the conversation progression is. Talking about progression for the streets, But for your community meetings, the business owner meetings, talking about what you said, you said it best. And that's the next step. New Chamber of Commerce. New, not literal, but in the spirit. What's a contract, of course? Good. We had it once. Land there dormant. Crystal Chamber of Commerce. Purposeful Improvement Corporation. CIC. CIC. Do you have a dormant CIC? Yes, we, we do. do. Mm -hmm. It's still active on paper. I've got it all up to date and it's sitting there. No active board meetings. No active board meetings. Maybe right. this will be something that can spur that on. Yep. And get active again because it, at one point in time we had good participation 10, 12 years ago. We had Joe Peachy showed up at a couple meetings. A representative from the bank showed up at a couple of those meetings. He's up on the board. I, I was on there, Tom was on there, Denny Harvey was on there, and uh, had nice little round table meetings about what we could do. We got the school involved a little bit, you know, about uh, putting some basic finance classes on, you know, teach kids how to write in cursive and write checkbooks and, and you know, not just look on the phone and say, well, if I got $300 in the back, I'm going to go spend it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's you know, kind of teach them on on the thrift and, and budget and so forth. That was just one of the little CIC meetings that we had. But 
um, it was a it was an avenue that uh, previous mayor and, and, and predecessor Doug Cannon did years and years ago. They started that as a as an avenue for the village to kind of um, be an economic wing. The CIC was the economic wing of the village. We purchased the old Eagles building up uptown and created a, an embroidery in there. Got the got the Eagles the money so they could build a, a facility north of town or right at the northern border of town. Um, you know, which you know, years years has went by, but that led into a you know a private entity moving into that over the last couple three years. But um, that was one instance where the, the CIC worked. Yes, we started that, figuring out creative strategies for funding. We put a tip in place one day, and we're going to set aside Joe's other way. Lots of creative strategies. Sorry, board structure and everything. Correct. Which could also be part of a cop plan to look at creative operations of CICs. You have your consultant look at what other state best practices are from other communities. There's a lot there. Yeah, it just takes a good many people and interest and time. So do we feel a meeting in about a month is feasible? You, you mentioned earlier that you've got a, a meeting tomorrow, big meeting tomorrow? Okay. Would that be something that can fall back to this in a couple, three weeks? I mean, we, we can work on our workshops and, mm -hmm. and try to Fortunately, the uh, fortunately that's a window that uh, you guys don't have to peek through. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, yes, and I think something like a month. I know you're doing regular, you know, last Mondays. We could aim for that. Um, we could aim for that for the well, last Monday. Whatever, whatever pivots around your schedule too. I mean, yeah. we can. If we have to push it a week to the first meeting in November, we could talk about that as we get closer. Okay. Do the twenty-third. Yeah. yeah, the 23rd of October works for you, Mark. Um, no commitment tonight, of course. If you got to look at your schedule, but it's certainly something that we could put on the calendar kind of plan on. I think let, let's tentatively plan on that. I think okay. that should work. The issue on, on our end is going to be making sure we're ready enough to present something to you for a downtown streetscape concept. Okay. So if we have to push it a week, I'll let you know in a couple of weeks ahead of time. You know, yeah. If we have to push it back a week or two, but yes, I would certainly so want to. Even 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 if there's five Mondays in October and we normally don't meet on, you know, those that's one of the four Mondays that we we are free through the year. But if we even needed to be on the thirtieth, we could call a special workshop council meeting for the purpose of. Streetscapes, <laughs> AGC, you know, yeah. and give you an extra week if we needed to. That's good to know. So I will certainly, you know, give me till second week in October, but let's plan on the 23rd. We'll try to keep the 23rd, but if we had to, that's good to know that yeah. we can push Just it. Just need a couple, three days notice to get it out to the public, and yeah. then we'd make a special meeting on the 30th for it. Okay. Very good. That should work. Uh, question for Stephanie here. Are there any sector uh, room? technical advisory funds left for site surveys that we could utilize. Yes. Can you talk a minute about that, how we go about that? Yes, you'll come to me and we will talk with Michael as well. Um, and actually once Michael knows a little bit more about what the plans are, I think that's where we can figure that out. Now the issue with that is that 
redirecting technical assistance funds to planning needs to be done by the end of this month, correct? So like in a couple of days? Uh, <laughs> I know. Fred, the, the long story short is um, yes, there will be an effort to yeah. transfer those dollars that you saw in today's meeting to us for the purpose of survey. Yeah. That will happen. And that will be in, and you do not need to do anything no. to make that happen. So. Um, <laughs> There's also, it's going to cost also a lot more than $5,000 well, <laughs> to yeah, do that, which is a whole other thing that is part of what we are doing in that window that you don't need to open. So, um, <laughs> will we be required to come up with a difference? No. No. Not at all. No. If it's more than 5000 No. Okay. We are just figuring it now, out. Now, currently, according to the email I got, uh, Crooksville will have um, dividing that up out of Perry County. Yes. Our division of that is three thousand five hundred seventy-one dollars. I know, which seems okay. it doesn't seem like much, but yeah. out of the twenty-five thousand, and if, if another project isn't approved for other those other villages uh, supply. So, so what's going to happen, Fred? Is this to give you a little perspective on what the next steps are for us with the streetscape plan? Um, the state is going to require that all construction contracts with any contractor who is ever going to touch any ACGP development grant money has to be in place by September 30th, 2024. Mm. Which means that the design, engineering design, which is what all the procured planners are doing, has to be complete sometime in June or July of next year to allow that bidding to take place. And even that's aggressive. There's a whole build the plane as you fly across the bridge as you get there, cross your fingers and turn around three times and spit thing to this whole program. Yes. So I, there's, there's gonna be, there's not really any flexibility with those dates, but there could be some flexibility design again, whole other thing. But the working plan is biddable sets of plans by mid-June. So as a result, the design of any infrastructure programs that are going to move forward under ACGP has to more or less begin now. So part of that MPP discussion this morning and in that email was for MPP to use some of its dollars in a way that nobody until last week thought was possible <laughs> to support those efforts. But those dollars from the MPP are a very small piece of that larger puzzle, which is being addressed by the LDDs and the planners over the next couple of weeks. It's very complicated. But at the end of the day, the whole intent the state had this entire time is for the villages to not have to pay for really anything, except maybe whatever they can put in to match for development grant for, you know, to make it stronger, whatever. But again, it wasn't a requirement. So none of all of that that you described, the survey, all of that is part of the planning activities that were always intended to be covered full cost by the state. Uh, between the state and the planners with mm -hmm. the LDDs and the MPP involved. So that's all also going on. The survey for Crooksville will be something like forty to forty forty to fifty thousand dollars. The survey alone for us to survey your community for this plan. So yes, that thirty five hundred seventy one dollars will be part of that forty drop in the bucket. But yeah. the state will be picking up yeah. the difference, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is the plan. And that process is in motion, and so we hope to have that. We hope to have that wrapped up in the next couple of weeks, 
and by the time we would meet next, that would be done. And then all the planners, including us, would get the funds available to actually do all of that work beginning in November. Okay. All right. It's a good time. We'll definitely make sure that every cent possible from the TA funds goes towards your projects. Okay. Yeah. Another question. Um, since we don't have any zoning in Crooksville, in our downtown project, uh, when we have these, uh, we need some type of uh, guideline, and that's why I always press for an economic development plan. Now, if it's one, it has to be a community development plan, that's fine. <laughs> but for our businesses, it's going to have some skin in the game. We have to have our plan too, that's going to join with their future and so uh, since we don't have zoning should we how should we document when the community's members meet the businesses how, how do they document what they see as transformational projects transformation projects for our downtown to help put the whole package the whole thing together and keep it in focus on some type of timeline, you mentioned what one to five years or something like that. So you're asking two different questions. So I'll break that up into okay. a couple of pieces. Your second question, which you asked at the end, was about narrative application memorializing for ACGP. Because the applications are going to be large and regional, with a lead applicant with lots of subagreements to a lot of other applicants. I mentioned earlier that Crooksville is not going to have to stand on its own. So all of that narrative that is really going to go toward whether or not the state funds the application is going to be describing the regional nature of the entire picture of the application. It is not going to hinge on the Crooksville narrative. Now there will be a Crooksville narrative. I mentioned a two to three right. page document that we're going to put together to describe Crooksville's transformation. But because that narrative is really a sub-narrative <laughs> to sure. a larger narrative, there's less stress on needing to feel like you have to document every conversation or show a bunch of evidence, Crooksville specific. It's not really how that's going to It's go. a small part and they see. Exactly. So you don't really need to worry about that. Now to your point about the plan and about memorializing things for the plan, that's a little bit of a different conversation and certainly would encourage meeting notes be taken when you have your business owner meetings at the new Chamber of Commerce or CIC um, so that you can at least ensure that for your own and to justify the potential for the village to discuss how much funds it might have to put a comprehensive plan together and to hire a consultant to do it and potentially seek some grant support from another source to pay for some of it. A good comprehensive plan runs somewhere between, well, for a village this size, a good comprehensive plan is somewhere between sixty dollars and $90,000, maybe even over into six figures. I figure $100,000 for um, that. Yeah. Uh, $100,000 would definitely get you a good one, yeah. especially depending on what you want to look at. If there's an economic development piece of it, a CIC reactivation piece of it, and you know, stuff with tax incentives, all that. Um, so if that helps build momentum for and a zoning code update, or at least code management, because you don't necessarily need a zoning code. You can put code ordinances in place, but then you got to deal with staff, and so there's all that stuff your consultant will look at. Um, 
So you, you could document your need for a comp plan by having some meetings, because if there's a source out there to ask for funds to support a comp plan for Kirksville, maybe that can come in handy. You get what I'm saying? Buckeye Hills had some. They are trying. Right. They are trying. No I just say, talk to Buckeye Hills and MPP about how there might be some resources out there to help make that happen. Okay, An another question. Fire Will away. a TIF help us out? A tax increment financing type of district program or something that we've never done that. So what a tax increment financing district is, is it's a... Um, what you can think of it as is you have property taxes. People pay property taxes. When a TIF comes in place, a baseline is set that says, okay, the property taxes that go to the village general fund are going to stay the same through the whole period. Usually it's 30 years, but it can be shorter. So for 30 years, the village is going to receive the same amount of money to its general fund going over time. Whatever increment, that's what it's called tax increment financing, whatever increment is generated by the improvements that exist in that district after the TIF district is passed goes to pay for usually infrastructure improvements inside that district. So what it really is, is it's a way to essentially force a public corporation to continue to invest in a place where businesses are making investments. So to answer your question, would a TIF help the village? It depends. <laughs> Is the place where the TIF district would go housing enough, village, enough businesses to generate enough increment that the village could use to meaningfully improve the infrastructure in the district? Or attract new business to come in. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which would all be part of that. So TIFs were originally created way back when to support generally thriving existing downtowns where there was a lot of organic economic activity by multiple business owners going on at the same time. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. They have turned into something else over time. Yeah. They have turned into big companies moving in, let's capture some of their tax revenue to make sure that we can maintain the water and sewer pipe that's going to the warehouse. Right. Walmart or Walmart. So they're a little bit different than what they were intended to be used for. But there is, and in response to that, there is a new specialty kind of TIF that the state passed five years ago called a Downtown Redevelopment District, which is kind of like an yep. original TIF, which a couple of communities have, including a couple MPP communities. But those, the one I'm thinking of that has the most of them and it's furthest along, does not have any money in its DRD fund because there are no businesses there generating enough increment. So it's not a silver bullet. You need the business revenue generation. And back to the comp plan process, that is something you could discuss in that planning process. Does that make sense for your community? A downtown redevelopment district TIF, if there's enough momentum for business owners investing, absolutely could make sense, but you need the business owner investment first. And then it would tie into the CIC, and there's a lot of ways that could work. You just need to get it started. And that's the good thing about communities. They're kind of like engines. You just need to start them. <laughs> and they tend to start to move, and there's a lot of positive feedback. Any more questions? <laughs>
Well, I have away. a couple more, but that, you know, I don't know if anybody else has any. I, you know. <clears throat> I think we're heading in the right direction. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for your time tonight. We will thank be you. back. Can I ask one more question? Please. If we have a, another, if there's another program available out there, a funding source that we can use in conjunction with this grant, would that improve our uh, points or improve the, I don't know what's enveloped in all these other villages, what improvements they have. I imagine they're all streetscape type projects. But. Yes, to that. There are some other communities that are leveraging, or I should say just mentioning in some of the narrative that they've received XYZ grant um, that is sort of helping the case along. But I think at this point, it, I don't know that you could secure that funding in time for it to be included in a narrative. And the only benefit of it is including it. There's yeah. no scoring and no. all that stuff. And again, the applications are judged by the big, yeah. big C. Yeah. The big yes. C. Yeah. The big C, not the little stuff. Yeah. Not little, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say is, Barb Harrison is still on the call from Buckeye Hills. One of her roles for Chastity and Buckeye Hills is to, and she's currently doing this, compiling those other funding sources and making them available for communities right. to peruse and think through. Because Buckeye Hills, to their great credit, they've done this better than they've done this better than the other LDDs from what I can tell. They're trying very deliberately to identify uh, projects that um, can't necessarily move forward through ACGP. What other funding sources are out there? And they are working aggressively right now to put together applications with those projects for a multitude of other funding sources. And so there there are other opportunities for those for anything like that already I, I agree. They they started off a year ago and, and had a very good detailed listing of, of other financing sources when they did the kind of the county roundabout tour, you know, uh, in Nelsonville and Shawnee and and, uh, and those places and they had those a lot of other grant opportunities for different infrastructure, water line, sewer line, that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for the uh, the shout out there. I'm Barb Thanks, Barb. Um, I'm going to summarize what we said. There's some trouble here in our end, which is our fault. Um, but essentially, she said that you know, they're working diligently for those other resources. They're thinking big picture, community level, county level. She mentioned Perry County. So, um, Buckeye Hills is on the case. Okay. Well, thank you all.
Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Joe. And uh, I guess Brandon left. Let's get out of here before Brandon has to go. Chief, anything tonight? She's a, a new EMT to us, uh, starting her through our new FTO program. Uh, I've got a couple of folks that are heading that up, uh, taking somebody under the wing, brand new to the department, just orienting them on everything we do, how we do it. Uh, I've got another application. Okay. So we're starting to gain some traction. Good. Uh, hopefully we can. She's coming to us Thank from you. just Thank having you. passed her EMT. Okay. Uh, she's already carded. Okay. She's already got her background check in there, okay. and she's currently in fire school over here at Newton. Okay. She works as a, a receptionist for Fairfield Med Center in the ER, checking in patients and things. Um, she also works for Rushville and Hocking Township. So, uh, in talking to her in passing, I think her goal is to get out of the hospital. She wants to get into this job field uh, as her main income. Okay. So, she's a young kid, somebody who's going to be our next FTO candidate. And Michaela? Mm -hmm. Okay. Michaela. Michaela Kowalski. Yeah. You know, all I can think of is the penguins. Yeah. Any <laughs> damage report. Yeah, right. But, uh, in any case, now she's a pretty good kid. I've, I've talked to her several times at the hospital. Um, she's currently a basic EMT? Yes. Yeah. Um, she's working on a fire card. She's working on a fire card, yes. Um, uh, young guy Nash. Is she available to come to kind of? I texted her tonight to see about one of the next two Mondays. Okay. Coming in to meet you guys. All right. So we'll see what she says on her availability for that. Okay. Excellent. We just kind of want to put a face with the name who's driving our band aid buggy. That is correct. Uh, was just? Oh, young Nash. Yep. That just got approved. Uh, he's doing good for his fire class. I talked to him, he's interested in going to EMT class. And we spoke this morning about the possibility of getting a reimbursement grant. He may have the availability in January of going to the fire academy, which would be reimbursed to us. Sure. So get your EMT class at free. Yeah. It's a six weeks program where they stay there, they stay on the grounds, immersed in the, the EMS class, and that's it. Sweet. But if I can get him through that, then get it paid for with the grant. Um, All better for it. Exactly. And the only other thing is, I still got to get uh, prices on a mattress. I had a mattress at home, brought it in, put it on the bed uh, at the station. They had a couple of pediatric mattresses on there. 
So we doubled two of them up on one bed and put a regular mattress on the other. And but I still got to get your uh, quotes on that. So that's the big stuff. Okay. They did. They got three wingback chairs. And nobody's sleeping in them. Nobody's uh, destroying them or anything. Looking nice. <laughs> yes, good, Chief. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Chief. Thank you. Anything else come for Council City? Rodney had a good point. Rodney, do you want to say that again? What, what you're just telling me? I just said, unless we get some kind of industry in here, we need something to tie young people to this community and have the same investment as a lot of us did, other than their parents and genealogy. You know, there's, there's no work here. I mean, a lot of people like. Eddie Miller, he was like, uh, yeah, I can't wait to go to work over the coal mine where Dad works, you know? But you don't have that anymore. We need, we need something else. Just don't have potteries anymore. No. No, it's unfortunate that most of our industry got their work from the ground. And that was pretty much it. It was. Oil, gas, and clay. And J.B. Dillahay said 40 years ago, how long can you base your economy on ceramic ducks and bird baths? It, w it went 60 years. Yeah. Roughly. But, yeah, I, it was good while it lasted. It was. Good products, good people making stuff. Yeah. That's his, uh, his cute. Well, I think it was a good productive <laughs> meeting. Right? I think we're on the right track. Uh, I'm kind of uh, hopeful that we'll see a small part of that pie. We can do one sidewalk and one infrastructure project and storm drains and, and uh, some light poles up Main Street. That's more than we had. Yeah. Start. And that's a start. It's, it's too bad that Kenny didn't get involved in some of this down there. Must have, we were talking about him. If he could have possibly uh, enlarged his footprint, you know, grocery-wise, a bigger store or something like that, you know, where, where you had an alternative to going to things or Walmart. Sure. That's where. That's why. Why'd you do? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I stuck with Walmart. It's handy. It's handy when you Back to the streetscape. Let's talk about a little bit what they were talking. Uh, that's going to lead to later on. Maybe we can look into branching down, branching on out, getting sidewalks over, and just break it down more. We got a issue to overcome about saying the citizens and our ordinances are responsible for the sidewalks. I think we're going to have to go through and. Work on that. Work they on. are. <laughs> they are. And you just made it tougher by passing the streetscapes because now anything new has to have a mandated sidewalk in front of Yeah. Like you said, they're really not. Well, you want uniformity. That's one way to start. There's, there's see, moles are not really going to been anything new as far as uh, residential, anyway. Usually, if it's new residential, they put front sidewalk in front of them. Yeah. Well, now you, you have to. And you have to. Anything else? Ray Scott? All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right.